This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Today I get the opportunity of starting a new series. And last Sunday we wrapped up the month of January and here we are. It's February. And for me, that means a particular teaching subject matter that I've embraced and I can't wait to get into it today. Super Bowl Sunday, uh, all the Panthers fans make a little noise. All the Broncos fans make a little noise. Wow. Wow. That makes me wonder if you heard the, did I slide that Panther thing in you and you were busy giving? And did, I'm not asking for you to like all of a sudden become a Panther fan, but I'm interested. That was a pretty heavy-weighted deal, and again, don't like be dumb. We're not at high school pep rally, but I am curious. Panthers fans, was that all there was? Panthers fans in the house? Wow. Broncos fans in the house? Wow. That's amazing. Man, there's going to be some disappointed folk tonight. I'm like a lot of people. Anybody that's like this makes some noise. My head says Panthers are going to win. My heart says Broncos. That's kind of where I'm at. I think Cam Newton's going to just blow up. And I think Peyton's going to have like a quarter zone shot tomorrow. Um, but I am pulling. I'm pulling for the Broncos. Uh, I hope they pull it off. All right, let's get started, everybody. Today is the first part of a series and when I tell you the name of it, it's going to ring a bell if you've been at this church for more than a year. Because it was a year ago, February, uh, was it a year ago, February, we, we dealt with this series called The Core. Called The Core. And I don't know if I've ever repeated a series, but this is a series, as I told you last year, this is a series that you're going to hear around this church. Because I fully believe, I mean, I'm committed to this. I, I am persuaded as, as we read in the New Testament, I am persuaded that this is the plan of God for all mankind. For everyone, I believe that this series, the content of Scripture, really lays out what God's plan is for your life. And I hope that I have the ability to communicate it on such a simple level that anyone and everyone in this service can not just hear it, but receive it. I call it the core. And today is the first part of that. And it's a promise from God. And it's the promise that he can save you. I'm going to use a little bit different terminology this year than I did last because I've, through scripture and through study, uh, and through our growth track material, and uh, I've just seen that there's some, maybe an improvement of words. Not does God just want to save you. He wants you to know him. I said this in the first service quite often, and who knows, I may repeat this even in this service a time or two. God already knows you. His plan for your life is for you to know him. He knows you. He knows you when you don't want anybody to know you. He knows you. 
See, I grew up kind of thinking it was a fear thing, right? I'd hear the preacher say, God knows you. And I went, oh, God, have mercy, Jesus, please don't know me. But why don't we look at it from a different perspective? God knows me. He knows just what I need. He knows where I'm at. He knows where I need to get. And he knows how to get me there. So if he knows that about me, I think I owe it to myself to get to know him. And how I can get to know him is allowing him to hold me and save me and to become his. So this morning, I want to get things started with this series called The Poor. And we're talking about salvation and knowing God. Amen, everybody? In the Bible, there's over 3,500 promises from God to you. He's made you over 3,500 promises. Now, I've had some people make me promises. And it's really frustrating when somebody makes you a promise and they don't hold their end of the bargain. If they tell you they're going to show up somewhere, they ought to show up. If they tell you they're going to do something for you, they ought to do it. If they tell you they feel a certain way, they ought to feel that certain way. If they promise, well, I I just kind of grew up being taught that it was your word. Well, guess what? Unlike any family member you have that's broken promises to you, and it could be something extremely sensitive, maybe a parent or a sibling, unlike anyone that's broken a promise to you, maybe in the professional world, maybe a boss guaranteed a promotion and it never happened, Maybe promised you a raise and you still haven't seen it. Unlike that, unlike a a family member or a professional promise made, unlike a political promise made of which we all know that are made and very seldom kept, when it comes to God, ladies and gentlemen, you can take him at his word. He cannot lie. He will not lie. Or if you were to be able to, and unfortunately we can't, if we were to be able to capture God and put him in a box and cut him right down the middle, it'd be truth. If God is anything, he's grace, he's truth, he's mercy, he's God. Somebody say amen. Amen. You might not be able to trust me. I may not be able to trust you. In other words, we may not be able to trust people. But until we get to the point that we say, I'm going to trust God, nothing's ever going to change in our relationship with the Lord. We've got to go all in and trust. I was on Facebook the other day, and I was scrolling through my little, uh, is, it, is, it, is it called my thread or my page, whatever it's called. I was scrolling through, and, and, and up in, I saw this video of these two teenage guys sitting in this seat with a cable coming down the middle, and I could tell... That was a long ways down there. They were held really high, elevated in this, not like a a bungee cord jump, but a swing type thing. And I'm sitting there, and my first thought was, can you really trust that cable? And out of nowhere, they let that dude go, and them guys went missing. They just, you ever notice how much stuff we put trust in that's really dumb? I mean, we really trust some dumb things. But you can trust God. If you've ever had a moment in your life where you recognize the fact that you took a chance and trusted something that everybody else was like, are you really going to do that? For some reason, you felt like you could trust it. Guess what? 
You're going to have to get to that place with God. And you're going to have to trust Him. You're going to have to go all in. You're going to have to sever all ties of doubt. And you're going to have to say, I'm going to take you at your word. I believe your word is true. And when that happens, man, it's like a moment. A light switch goes on. And all of a sudden, you become a candidate for all of God's promises because you're believing them and not doubting them. The first promise from God is found in the book of Genesis. And the last that we have record of in Scripture, the way the, the Scriptures are placed, is in Revelation. And that's not a preacher's cliche that the promises are from cover to cover. They are from cover to cover. But believe it or not, the way the Bible is pieced together that you hold in your lap, the first promises of God are in Genesis. And the last that we see are in Revelation. But I believe in what I'm preaching in this month is that all of those promises, some 3,500 promises, every single one of them come from something. They're like branches on a tree. They stem from something. They come from one central location, and I call it the core. I believe that in the book of Exodus, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 6, I believe that all of the incredible promises of God, they literally come from Exodus 6. And from that point on, you'll see the rich, beautiful, life-changing promises that it's just a large plethora, a great variety of promises that go from our health to our finances to our covenants to our children. But yet they all come from these four core promises. Exodus 6 will be our text this morning. And I'm going to start with verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know, you will know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Here are four promises. If you want to underline them, highlight them. This is what we'll be dealing with this entire month. This is where we're going this month in February. The first will be our topic for today. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now, if you're new to Christ, if you're new to the Bible, if, if you're just, maybe you're not new, it's just been a while since you've really paid attention to Scripture. Let me help you understand why this would be considered the core. Well, see, all through the Bible, we see a likening of Egypt to sin. When the Bible refers to Egypt, it's a dark place that his children were never supposed to be in. You may not recognize this, but I want to share this with you. We were never meant to be slaves to sin. That was never really God's full plan. What happened was we got involved in God's plan and Changed it. There in the garden of Eden, where men chose to disobey God, if you really want a good definition of sin, it's not drinking, it's not smoking, it's not cussing, it's not cheating, it's not lying. All of those are just manifestations. Those are the results. Those are the actions of something that took place a long time ago before that. Before there was ever drinking, smoking, cutting up, lying, and all that, before all of that, there was a disobedience to God. Sin's real easy. Sin's real easy to get. You don't, you don't have to have a list of what not to do. 
You don't have to have a list of what not to do and things to do and then you check it off and you feel good or bad about yourself. That's not what God wants for your life. God just wants you to obey and please Him. Well, in the garden, a man chose and a woman chose to disobey God. So therefore, sin was released and, and entertained among people. Well, then as we see the Bible teaches, Egypt has always been a type or a likening, a symbol uh, of sin. So this tells us in our key scripture today that God's plan for your life is for him to rescue you, to deliver you, to reach in and pull you out of Egypt or sin. So the one-fourth uh, one of these core promises from God for anyone and anyone that's ever born, God's plan for their life is for them to be set free from sin. Real easy. Well, then our second promise we would deal with next week, he says, not only do I want to save you where you can get to know me better, not only do I want to save you and get you out of Egypt, I want to get, look what it says, I want to rid you out of their bondage. That rid word, man, that's as country as it gets. Y'all didn't know that the Bible was written for us Southerners, right? Because you know good and well you've gotten rid of some things. We had an incredible night last night on church campus here. We had over 30 couples in our 40-somethings that were doing some Valentine's uh, uh, kind of dinner with each other. And you knew it was that age group when they were playing like Whitney Houston songs in the background. I leaned over to my wife and I said, uh-huh, the song list was even age appropriate. We had Whitney, we had like uh, Brian Adams going. I mean, I was like back in high school all of a sudden. But last night we were there having an awesome time with over 30-something couples just enjoying each other. And they played that old game. Y'all, I say y'all, there's some young people that are never going to heard of this game. Anybody ever heard of the newlywed game? Basically, what you do is you get a man and a woman that's married, and you, and you find out if they really know each other the way they think they know each other. And the wife will leave the room, and they'll ask the husband a question. He answers the question that's about his wife. And then the wife comes in, they ask the same question, right? And if she answers what the husband answers, it's, a, you know, it's, it's seemingly as though they're in a good marriage. If they miss it, you, you, you think for a minute, wow, they're really in trouble, right? But they're just silly questions. So one of the questions last night in this newlywed game of which I was chosen to play, uh, one of the questions was, if your wife could get rid of anything that's yours, or one thing, that's what it was, if your wife could get rid of one thing that's yours, what would she get rid of? Well, when Denora came in, she said, only one? I can only get rid of one? Well, what does that mean, getting rid of something? That just means you're done with it. You're wanting to get rid of it. You're wanting to toss it. You're wanting to depart from it. You're wanting to, you're wanting to just absolutely separate yourself from it. If you're getting rid of something, you've already been there, done that. It's time to move on from that. Are you understanding? Well, what God's plan for your life is not only does he want to save you and bring you out of sin, he wants to get rid of what's left in you from that experience. Here's how I say it. If he rescues you out of a fire, Guess what? Then he wants to get the smoke off of you. 
If he were to reach in like a fireman, pull you out of a burning home, you're still going to, your clothes are going to probably have smut on them. You're going to smell like the, the burning of the home. And you're going to want a change of clothes. You're going to want a shower. You're going to want to get cleaned up. Well, this is what God wants to do. He wants to save you. And here's what you guys got to get. Everybody's got to be on your A game today. You got to be really focused on what I'm saying. He wants to save you. And when he saves you, you don't do anything about it other than to believe he's going to save you. If a, if a fireman, I know, I know uh, uh, Steve's here today, one of our firemen, a local fireman. If a fireman runs in, you don't want to fight that fireman. You, you don't want to look at that fireman and say, I actually know how to get out of here. No, you just want to say, dude, help me out. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah. I'm not a piece of chicken. I need to get out of here. You don't want to say what you know and don't know. You want to say, yes, sir, I'm following you. Whatever you want me to do, actually, will you just pick me up? Well, same it is with sin. God just wants to reach into the fire and he wants to pick you up. But then when you're out, check this out. Now it's on you. Now you have to put your faith into action. And what he wants to do is let you get rid of all that stuff. Here's, here's another way of saying it. He wants to get you out of Egypt, but then he's got to get all that Egypt out of you. And it's a process. Salvation's not a process. I, I'm going I'm to set somebody free right now from, from your, your history. Possibly you grew up around in a, in, a, in, a, in a faith family that taught you that salvation was a process, that you had to go through the testing of the process of salvation. Salvation's instant. God's going to save you. But what is a process is discipleship and getting on the right path. That's a process. Let me just put it this way. And, and I'm just randomly picking what our culture and what we view as what's not best in your life, okay? We'll just say lying. I'm just randomly picking that one. When God saves you, he saves you from your lies that were literally taking you away from God, separating you from God, your deceit, your lie, your dishonesty. He saves you from that. But guess what? Now you're going to have to put your faith in him to start telling the truth. You don't automatically change the way you talk when you get saved. You don't change the places you go when you get saved. You don't change who you hang out with when you get saved because it's instantaneous. You don't, you don't instantly pick up your phone and go, oh, no, where'd all my contacts go? No, that doesn't happen. God saves you, gives you a clean heart, a new start, and then what he wants to do over time is help you weed out the bad influencers. He wants you to start going to different places. He wants you to start talking differently, thinking differently, and living differently. He wants you to find freedom from where you've been a slave. Check this out. Let me do this. I, man, I feel good this morning. I think it's because I'm not stiffed up with a tie. I'm like freed up. And some people think, yeah, but you're going to hell because you ain't got a tie on. Man, dude, you in the wrong church, bruh. All right, check this out. If I'm a, a, have you ever noticed how criminals, have you ever seen these surveillance tapes where a criminal breaks, like El Chapo, when they break out of a prison? Man, they dig the tunnel, they scale the wall, they, they, they take the britches off the barbed wire fence, you know, they get undone. And then you see them, though, they're still wearing, they're still wearing that little orange outfit. They still got the handcuffs on. They think they're free, right? Because they're not in prison. But yet you see them on Main Street. 
And they wonder, wonder why it doesn't work well for them when they go, hey, man, how you, can you help me out? I, I was wondering, can you give me a ride? It's like, I'm not going to give you a ride. Why are you not going to give me a ride? I'm not, I'm not a prisoner. No, you are. You may not be in prison, but you're still all messed up. Well, guess what God wants to do? God's will for you is not to save you and still make you live all chained up and messed up. He wants you to get free. He's going to give you a new set of clothes. He's going to undo all those chains. He's going to clean your life up. And I don't mean that from a judgmental perspective, but yet I do as well. He's going to change the way you live. He's going to rid you from the bondage. But then what's he also going to do in that process? And I wish I could tell you it was week one or week eight, but we don't really know that. It's in the process. He's going to redeem you. What that means, that third promise in Exodus, he's going to redeem you. He just, he's going to simply mean, uh, he's going to show you what you're really born and created to do in this life. He's going to reveal. Everybody say reveal. He's going to take the glasses off of your eyes that have been so darkly tinted and that you couldn't see well. It's been a bad prescription. He's going to give you clarity of really what your purpose is. All the promises of God come from these four. He wants to save you where you can get to know him better. He wants to rid you from all the stuff, meaning he wants you to find freedom in this life. And he wants to redeem you, meaning he wants to let you find your purpose, man. Because your purpose was, you didn't have a purpose when you were in sin. He wants to give you a purpose. But then fourth and lastly, the fourth promise, he says that I want to become your Lord where you know, you know that you know that you know that I am your Lord and you are my son and daughter. And he's going to show you as a father would train up a son or a daughter, he's going to show you how to make a difference in this life that you've been given to live. This, this is the core we could preach it every week and never exhaust it. But unfortunately, in our culture and the way all of our brains work, we have to always come up with new creative material. But if you really want to raise your kids right, if you really want to build your house on a strong foundation, know God. Get freed up. Find your purpose in life and go make a difference. This, ladies and gentlemen, is as simple as it gets. And everyone say, Amen. Let's talk about this getting to know God better. Within the context of Exodus 6, it's important to always remember, it's always important to remember the context of your scripture. The context here is we have a nation, God's people, living as slaves. Here's my biggest challenge today as a preacher. It's impossible for anyone in this room to fully understand what it's like to be a slave as we know the term. We have history books. Some of you in this room, you have history and lineage and genealogy of slavery. Some, some, some of us in this room, we've watched enough documentaries. We've read enough textbooks that we get an idea of slavery. But no one in this room fully understands slavery. And that's my biggest challenge today. So if there's any way at all that you can meet the preacher in the middle, do your best to put yourself into a slave's mentality as much as you know about slavery. The context is that these men and women of Israel 
were in slavery in Egypt. They had no free will. They were told when to wake up, when to go to bed. They were told when to eat and what to eat. So foreign to us. They had a master. They weren't calling their own shots. When they would go against the master's orders, they were whipped, beaten, possibly killed. They were slaves. Sin, if you dabble with sin long enough, it will control you. And again, let's make sure that we're on our A game today. Sin is not just this or that. It's disobedience to God. And I really want to make this, I just, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. Anything taking you away from God is sin. So let us not be so juvenile in our thinking to think, well, you know, it's only, it's only this action or it's only this choice or it's only this lifestyle. Anything taking you away from God is sin. Sin dabbled with and played around with and then ultimately lived in, it will become your master. It will call the shots for your life. It'll tell you where to spend your money. It'll tell you where to spend your time. It'll tell you how to treat others. It'll tell you how to treat yourself. You will not have one say in the matter because you become a slave to it. Now, let's just, for illustration, let's just name one. Well, I personally believe, and I believe that there's enough content in the Scripture that will say adultery. You break in the marriage covenant, whether it be in the mind through pornography or whether it be through the flesh of actually uh, uh falling into an affair, a sinful nature. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Before too long, you're going to have to stretch that paycheck outside of your own home and fund the habit of the adultery. Are you making sense? Are you following me? If you want to, let's talk about narcotics or alcohol abuse. Talk about, you know how many people, and there's people in this room, and I come to you today in love trying to let you see what God wants to do for your life. You know how many people live paycheck to paycheck because of their habits of debt, overspending? They've got to get the check to go back and pay for the debt that's already bigger than this week's Monday. It's already snowballed. And most of the time it's because of the overspending that's probably tied to a vice that's not taking you closer to God, but taking you away from God. Everybody take a deep breath. It's getting a little tight. Whew, thank you. I needed that. Getting a little tight in the room. Do you feel like a slave today? Do you feel like you're being bossed around by a habit, by an addiction, by a secret relationship? By another life that no one knows about? Are you being controlled? Are you being manipulated and told exactly what to do with your time, with your money, with your love, 
with your focus, with your attention? Do you feel like a slave? Let me read to you out of the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 6 in the NLT. Romans 6, NLT version of verse 19. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Everybody say it's an illustration. And then I would just kind of want to say, is it? Is it really just an illustration? Or is this your life story? Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness. And here's the kicker, man, which led, which led yourselves be slaves to, uh, 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 sorry, which led ever deeper into sin. Sin never stops, man. It snowballs. <laughs> you cannot just taste it and taste it and taste it. Your tasting becomes another tasting, which becomes another drink. And I'm not just talking about alcohol, right? I'm talking about sin as a substance. It's never enough, and it will lead you further and further and further deeper into sin. This is what it says. Uh, now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. How can I get to the point of giving myself over to righteous living? I've got to reach up, and I've got to find out who God is. And I've got to let him save me from my sin. You feel like a slave? Are you calling the shots in your life? Or something else? Because God's plan for you is to pull you out of that. Let me tell you what else sin does. It leaves you empty. In the context of our scripture, not only were these men and women beaten down by the work the toil, the sweat, the tears. Not only that, Pharaoh didn't have enough. So Pharaoh comes along and he takes the lives of the children, the next generation. You stay in sin long enough, my friend, you will literally lose your hope that it's ever going to get better. I've had so many conversations with al alcoholics and drug addicts. I've had so many marital conversations with people that are, that are living a, a, a lie within the marriage covenant. And they always say the same thing. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to change. We're going to get the grip on this. I'm, I'm going to go to AA, Pastor Tommy. Well, you see him three weeks later. Have you gone to AA? Not yet. But I, I've been working too much, but I'm going to go to AA. But then there's a shift that happens when they lose the hope that they can change. And it all gets deeper when you lose your hope of a better future. I've known alcoholics and drug addicts and, and folks going through great marital problems that they get to the point where they say it's never going to change. And that's where they give up on God and they give up on themselves. They give up on the supernatural strength that God can do through any one of us. And they choose to just accept that this is my life. It's never going to be different. I'll always be this addict. I'll always have this issue. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just come by on a Sunday morning, the first Sunday of February, the first Sunday of what I feel may be the most important sermon series you'll ever hear in your life. Don't allow sin to leave you empty 
and steal your hope of a better day tomorrow in your future. What God wants to do is not just pull you out of the slave mentality, but he wants to pull you out of the lack of hope mentality. He wants you to see a better future than what you're living in your present. Someone clap your hands this morning. Last but not least, let me try to find a way to close this today. Sin leaves you exhausted. <laughs> Man, sin leaves you broke. And I don't care what your sin is. If your sin's bluebell, it will leave you broke. Man, that stuff's expensive. Lying, man, will leave you exhausted. All of us have lied before. There's not a person in this room that's never told a lie. And if you dare raise your hand, you just did. So boom. And all of us have lied to get out of a lie. That we lied. Because we lied. Next thing you know, you literally have to say, I just don't have any idea what the truth is anymore. Leaves you tired. All of us that have children, you know what I'm talking about. So did you do this? Uh-uh. Really? Well, I see you over here. Oh, well, that was, and it's like, dude, you better just sever it right now. You cut ties with the lie right now. It's all good. But I'm not like you just told him no, and now you're on four. And then you think, Mallory, and all of our students, you think of the other stuff that snowballs. Not just a lie, maybe to a classmate, but to a teacher or to a mom and dad or ball coach or a dance teacher. But what about these other things that leave us exhausted? What about trying to Cover our trail. What about trying to what about trying to cover things up? And you find yourself just tired of the game of sin. And then to our adults in the room, man, an addiction that you're going through or a habit that you're trying to break, you spend so much time and energy on trying to break it and trying to get free from it that you get weak to the point of just giving into it all over again. And you want free. You want to be different, but you're too tired to do anything about it. You get tired of paying the debt. File bankruptcy. You get tired of playing the credit card game, so you just give into it and hang up when that phone rings and the credits are called. It's exhausting. These slaves in the book of Exodus, they were enslaved, they were empty, and they were tired. And God said, I make you this promise. If you'll trust me, if you'll take me at my word, I will bring you out of that life. I close with this today. Faith takes what grace 
makes. Grace, without you having one thing to offer, has made a way of escape out of sin. And your faith must take what grace has made available. Grace has made you available. The opportunity stands before you right this very moment. Because of grace, you have an opportunity to come out of sin. You don't have to be empty. You don't have to be tired. You could actually have a new life and a fresh start. But you're going to have to put your faith in what grace has made available. If our prayer partners can quickly come. In just a moment, I'm going to say within three minutes from now, within three minutes from this moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take advantage of the greatest, the greatest thing in the world, and that's a new start. There's not one of us in this room that's never been in a situation where we just needed a new start. We've all been there. I would say look around the room, but I don't want it to make anybody feel weird. Just trust me. Everyone in this room has needed a new start. From the preacher to the oldest saint of God, we've needed a new start. So before you allow yourself to wonder, is it just me in this room? Trust me. Everyone around you and in arm's length is thinking the same thing. Is it just me in this room? It's all of us. We've all come to the same place, and we've all gotten here the same way. That way was a sin. And you want to know the coolest thing? If any of us are going to go anywhere better, it's going to be by the same way. And that's by Jesus Christ. Right now, all over this room, I want you to bow your heads right where you're sitting. Just right where you are. Really need you to focus on what I'm saying today. Right where you're sitting, with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you need a new, fresh start with God, you need your sin forgiven. You need your mind made clear. You need your heart made right. I want you to lift your hand quickly, just right where you are. And I don't want you to put it down. I know oftentimes we just flash a hand up in church. I want you to lift it up. Lift it up big and high. I see your hand this morning. Keep it up for me. Because you, sir, and you, ma'am, God's fitting to do something incredibly awesome in your life. He wants to bring you out of Egypt today. I know in your mind you're thinking, well, I'm not in Egypt. I'm right here in church. But your heart, your heart's not where it needs to be with God. And he wants to bring you close 
He knows you, but he wants you to get to know him. Would you all stand with me? Quickly, this morning, without any more hesitation, if you had your hand lifted up, I want you to quickly, don't take another minute, I want you to quickly come to a prayer partner because we're going to pray for you. And I'm believing that something great is going to happen in your life today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you today. God bless you. Don't wait another second. If you need a new start, you need something to happen special in your life, God bless you today. Wow. Let me read you one scripture before I pray. 2 Corinthians 6. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. I will receive you. I've got good news for you before I pray over you. You're being received by God today. He's receiving you. If we have any other prayer partners that are in this service, I would ask you to come quickly today. Bishop Ron, I need your help today. Pastor Anthony, Pastor Manny. Let us pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends that are in this altar, and I pray for those that are in the pew. I believe with all my heart, God, there are other men and women here today that need to take a step to Jesus. I pray right now, Father, that the heart would just be made right, that the mind would be made whole, that their spirits would be lifted. I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ that they'll come out Come out of that sin. They can't do it on their own. Matter of fact, they can't do it at all. They just have to believe that you're pulling them right now. And they just have to submit and, and give themselves over to your saving hand. Worship team, lift your voices as we pray. Let everyone in the room, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God bless you as you come. This altar is open to each and every one of you. Please don't hesitate. Please don't wonder if it's you. I promise, it's probably you if you're wondering that question. Take your wife, take your husband, take your friend. Are there any of our students? Don't hesitate, A.O. This altar's for A.O. as well. If you need a fresh start with Jesus, come and receive the love of God into your life today. Lift your voices and let's sing together. And let's give ourselves over to the love of the Lord Jesus today.